0: While some players will help you win your league, others will help you lose it we reveal our six overvalued players to avoid in 2023 fantasy football leagues tonight on the in-between fantasy football podcast because I've been. Into- out
1: of touch, coming off the bench, trying to shake the funk, check his style line, see who's up, that over, under, hit too clutch. And I'm trying to avoid getting carried away, with the chest suite sleeping on a trick play, predicting all of my moves like they see seen every play, so I'm running it back, head down, get out of my way. Just one thing to say, yeah, what they don't know, something they haven't seen. I'm off that mean Joe Green, it got me fading between. Yeah, I got, and I got the in-between fantasy football podcast.
0: All right, all right, all right. It is June 20th, 2023. The In Between Fantasy Football podcast is back with you, going up on a Tuesday. I am Seth Wilcox, still riding a high from seeing the great Taylor Swift this weekend in Pittsburgh. And tonight I am joined by a man who calls Canada home. He has somewhat of somewhere between six and 12 kids. I'm not exactly sure how many uh, ladies and gents. Give it up for the host of the dynasty
2: Vipers network, Matt Donnelly. What's up, Matt? You know what? I don't know how many kids I have either, but you're right. It is in that six to 12 range. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I mean, Hey, we do, do things a little bit different up here. Uh, I mean, I'll be straight out here. We foster, we've adopted, we've got, it's like pretty bunch on steroids, what our family has going on up here. So, uh, <laughs> it's it's a little bit of everything. So you got to kind of enjoy it. Take it with a grain of salt from time to time and realize life's too short for anything else right now.
0: Hey, I appreciate that perspective, Matt. Uh, You got your little bit of a cheaper by the dozen happening up there in Canada. We appreciate that. I appreciate you being here on the show tonight. We have a big show. We're going to get some bear in mind or bullshit. Talk about some of the mini camp news, what we can take as fantasy managers, and what is just bullshit. Then we're going to talk about bus candidates, and we'll round it out with a game of would you rather Also joining us tonight on the podcast, as always, in the back end, a man who I did beat in disc golf this past weekend. Guys, give it up for Kyle Scott, audio producer. What's up,
1: Kyle? How we sounding tonight, bud? Hey, we sound great. Uh, I didn't think we were keeping score with (laughs) disc golf, so I don't know if we can say you beat me i can say i beat you i will say i beat you uh but kyle
0: we appreciate you being here brother Uh, i appreciate the ibt family already popping in the chat as well coming over from the 19th hole that just got closed out here a couple minutes ago albert good evening ibt good evening albert thanks so much for joining us man royal slade also popping in the chat early night saying evening fellas another canadian friend of ours as well we appreciate you slade uh easiest way to support us guys here at the ibt podcast give us a thumbs up on this video if you enjoy our content and then subscribe if you're new come back hang out with us again uh i promise you we're gonna have a good ass summer uh, as long as we're here matt what do you say man should we jump into a little bit of bear in mind or bullshit hey let's get at her all right let's get at her pitter patter baby
1: This just in, breaking news. Man, that sounds like a bunch of bullshit to me.
0: Before we get into the fantasy discussion, man, we do have to talk about a very unfortunate incident that did pop up in the NFL world over the weekend. Jack Jones, a great, great rookie cornerback for the New England Patriots. He was arrested in an airport on weapons charges. Uh, According to Massachusetts State Police, he was arrested with two firearms found in travel luggage in Boston's Logan Airport. So first of all, before we talk about maybe some betting implications on the Patriots, the kind of fallout for this. When you hear this, like, what are your initials thoughts as a human being here, Matt?
2: Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sum this up. You said what you said there. Possession of a concealed weapon in a secure airport. Possession of ammunition without a firearm identification card. Unlawful possession of a firearm. Carrying a loaded firearm. Possession of a large capacity feeding device. This is an unfortunate situation that we're seeing too often right now. But if you remember, I'm going to go cool with one of my favorite rom-coms of all time here. How to lose a guy in 10 days. This is how to lose your job in 10 days. You literally just called out Ja just a couple weeks ago. If you look at his Twitter, yeah, hey, dude, be better. You can't be doing this. you got to go secure the bag. And then he basically did the whole, you know, when Keith Hudson comes back to Matthew McConaughey's uh, family there, it's like, bullshit! I'm calling bullshit here. You cannot call out another professional athlete and then do the same thing he did. The facts are the facts. I mean, two guns on a carry-on bag. Now, there's nothing illegal about owning the guns in certain states and this and that. Right, absolutely. But my problem with this all is if you're going to call out another individual, you have to be better yourself. Don't yes. be throwing rocks at a glass house, right? Uh it goes like biblical. Go Billy. he without sin cast the first stone, whatever it is. You can't be throwing stones right now, Jack Jones. You can't be throwing them. You just did what you told another guy not to do, and now you're like, your agent's like, oh bet, or your lawyer, whoever it is, is like, hey, thank you, Patriots, for not firing my client yet. Yeah. I, I don't get it. Like, I mean, so I'm kind of torn between it. it's bullshit because. Of Jack Jones, prior to the incident, right. Now I'm also of the mindful mindfulness of here. you know what people make mistakes. We, Jack, to our knowledge, Jack Jones has not made this mistake. Jaw, he did this once, got in trouble, and then he did yeah. it again. Yes. So I don't know if you can relate the two, but with Jack Jones, I mean, I'm willing to give the kid the benefit of the doubt because that's what he is. He's a kid. Yes. I can say that because I'm an old ass man at this point in my life. And I'm not at the point where I'm yelling at clouds or telling kids to get off my lawn, but I'm telling you, Hey, be better. I mean, it's not hard. Be a better person. You you cannot go out there and blast someone and then do the exact same thing that they have done. And, And, you know, I, I think that the hard
0: thing is here is it's really hard to defend that you forgot, like your one defense here is that you forgot they were in there. But Matt, you're I, I assume you, you're a gun owner. is that correct? I, I know people who may have guns, yes. Okay. so the, the thing is like you I don't know, if, if you have a, a two guns in your bag, you have them fully loaded, like I feel like you're gonna feel that. That is the so that's, I think the issue here. Um, but but I think the betting implications here, I, I went over to the sports book, Matt, and I hated to take advantage of a bad situation, but I had to do it. Uh, The Patriots under seven and a half games right now, minus 105, almost even money at Caesars. And that's a bet I'm willing to jump on, especially when you look at their schedule, man, the Patriots, they have a brutal schedule. Uh, It it is just absolutely brutal. Are you interested in that bet at all um, or fading the Patriots coming into the season now that they lose
2: arguably their best secondary member? Well, being a dumbass is not a defense, right? It's not a defense. And you mentioned this Patriots schedule. I had them predicted prior to this incident at 5-12. and 12. So Ooh, yeah, you feel what this is going to be. And you, it's it's not about the Patriots as much as that schedule. You talked about it. I mean, they've got games against AFC West. They've got to take care of business within their own division. The Jets are better. The Dolphins are better. The Bills are better. All these teams are better. That's six losses potentially right there without going outside of the division. And You look at some of these other contests that they have. I mean, they've got the Steelers, who are going to be better as well. The Chiefs, yep. the Chargers, we mentioned them. The yep. Giants, the Colts. I mean, and that Colts game is in Germany, so that's those games over in Europe. I mean, they're not. A whole, I don't even know how you can predict it. They're hard. They're so hard to predict because they're usually a sloppy type game. So you look at this: the Commanders is the Commanders isn't a given win, right? Washington is not a given win. Yes. Because what they do well is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They've also got the New Orleans Saints on the schedule, so. You look at the schedule, and it's hard to find more than seven victories for them. Now, it's I know you can't do it, but I went through this. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to give them the win over the Colts in Germany. I'm going to give them the win, I guess, over the Giants, but it's not like I'm doing this with conviction. So you, can, you go from possibly three wins. I'm giving them five. We're talking about seven as the over and under, or seven and a half as the over and under. I'm taking the under. I mean, that's just where I feel comfortable with because of how good this schedule is. Well, I guess how bad it is for them, but it's a tough schedule. It really is. And New England isn't a great team. They're good. They got lots of good pieces. Maybe if they signed DeAndre Hopkins, that yeah, might fall yeah. a little bit. Agreed. I don't know how much that's going to flip it because you look at their division. Again, does Hopkins make that big of a difference? Look at what you're dealing with in Buffalo, Tredavious White. Look what you're dealing with in Miami. You're dealing with Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey. New York's got Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. You've got good corners all in that division. And really, you've got no other wide receivers. I don't care about Juju Smith. <laughs> yeah,
0: let's say yeah. Juju there, Matt. There's
2: Juju. Oh, it ain't it. And Kendrick Bourne uh, and the Keyshawn Butte there, he's getting beat out by Demarius Davis, the other. Yes, run. yes. You know, so... <laughs> It's going to be a lot of 12 personnel in New England, a lot of two tight end sets. Gusecki and Hunter Henry might be the two guys that you can count on for this team.
0: Yeah, I mean, just a brutal schedule starting out, going up against Philadelphia in week one, Miami going to the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers in week three, and then Dallas week four in Dallas, in Jerry World. They could start out 0-4 here. Matt and I are going to fade them. We're going to put some money down here, uh, minus 105 at Caesars for that one, guys, under seven and a half games. Let's move on to Los Angeles because this is one of those that I can just not wrap my head around. So I need your guidance here, Matt. I need your wisdom and your conviction Sean McVay cam Akers is quote going to be a central figure in this offense. This is coming from our f- friend, Cameron De Silva from Rams wire. Cameron Akers is a tough read here, Matt. No one else in this backfield, really Kyron Williams, Zach Evans. They just signed back Sony, Michelle, um, Akers, he was a total bust last season, though, but came alive once Daryl Henderson was out of the picture, finishes an RB13 or better in the last three weeks, uh, including an RB1 overall performance in Week 16, three tutties on the day for him. So, Matt, is this actually a Cam Akers breakout season? Can we trust him right now? Because he's kind of been in that you know, mid-RB2, high-end RB3 range, so he could be a value possibly.
2: I love Cam Akers. I mean, I've been on Cam Akers since he was drafted there, going back to his FSU days. If there's anyone who's got experience running behind a crappy offensive line, it's Cam Akers. He's yeah. been doing it since Florida State. <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah, he really Jeff. has. Yeah. So that all prepared him for his time with the Los Angeles Rams. You mentioned this backfield, there's nothing. Yeah, okay, you got the Super Bowl champion there, two-time Super Bowl champion Sony Michelle coming there. Sony, baby, he, yes. you know, Let's give Sony a little bit of love because he did have a good run in that playoff kind of run for the Rams when they won the Super Bowl. So he was not part of that team, except and you know what? I love Sony Michelle because as someone in the fantasy industry who hasn't signed anywhere yet. If I know that Sony Michelle can get a job being as horrible at football and horrible at his job as he is, it gives me hope that someone might sign me at some point. <laughs> right? It gives us hope, and that's what you want in fantasy football. You want to have hope. But Cam Akers, in five of the final Rams six contests there, he commanded at least 72% of the team snaps. He averaged 19 touches, 101.8 total yards per game. If you translate that into fantasy, bippy boppity boo there, that works out to RB6 from week 13 on, getting 100% of the snaps, 100% of the carries, 100% of the running back opportunities from inside the 10-yard line. Again, opportunity is the key thing for Cam Akers. So with Sean McVay, and trust me, I usually don't, you probably hear this from me multiple times throughout the show, I usually don't follow along with coach speak unless it fits my narrative. I mean, this fits <laughs> my narrative. I want to believe this, this is what I believe, but who else is going to do stuff for this, this Rams team? You got Cooper Cup, you got Tyler Higby, and then you got nothing. That's it. Ben Jefferson, I'm not worried about uh, Puka Deku there. Okay, he might come along a little bit later on in the season like most rookies do, if they're going to have that breakout, it's going to be week eight, week nine, whatever. There's not a whole lot of depth or a whole lot of talent on this Rams roster. You look up and down this depth chart. It's very top heavy amongst the positions based on how the salary is set up here, how it's structured. So yes, I believe McVay, when he says that acres is going to be a central figure in this offense, does he have a breakout? I don't know, but I think the Rams are going to feed him. They're going to feature him in this offense because it's going to be Cooper cup, cam Akers and that's Higby.
0: that's and i think that is the most important thing you, you said uh, among everything matt is this is a really bad offense when it comes to raw talent of course we have some young guns we have puka nakua we we, we have tutu atwell guys we've seen flashes from whether in the at the collegiate level or at the professional level uh in cases of atwell however Cam Akers, RB23 right now, according to Fantasy Pro's ADP. That's a steal. That's that a feels, steal. It feels like a safe pick. It feels like after that, you enter a cliff. You're in the Montgomery, the Pacheco, the Rashad White range, which I don't really want anything to do with any of those backs until I really get down to, like, James Conner, RB28 I would take a gamble on. But I'm with you here, man. I, I've never been a big Cam Akers guy. Uh, But the line should be better. The Rams should be better in general. Stafford's back um and they're gonna need him man they're gonna need him so you're all in on uh cam Akers here huh
2: oh and the price tag makes it better often more often than not i've already got two running backs by the yes. time that cam Akers is coming up in my drafts yes. so if you're getting A- as your rb3 that's great great value you mentioned rb23 right now if you're getting him as your third running back that is an absolute steal Let's talk about a running back
0: who went a little bit earlier in draft so far this season. J.K. Dobbins, RB20. He's held out of minicamp with a soft t- tissue injury. He has refused to talk about that. However, he has talked that he is frustrated about his contract. This coming from Kevin Eck of the Ravens official website, uh, declined to comment uh well excuse me sorry the the soft tissue issue that came from the ravens official website and then he comes out he tells espn's jameson henley the business side is very hard it's very different you saw with lamar jackson it's never just roses and daisies how do you take this matt how do you take this because this is a a kind of a weird flex from a guy who has barely totaled 1200 yards in his career. And he is dealing with some type of injury. He dealt with an injury last season. Yelled at Ian Rappaport that would be ready for week one. He was not ready for week one. So, like, how do we wrap our brain around Dobbins? Because it seemed like he was going to be also in that kind of Cam Akers third-year value type of range. But I don't think that's the case now. I'm a little worried.
2: Yeah, you know what? Maybe I'm silly. Maybe I like to gamble. No risk it, no biscuit, right? That's what Bruce Arians used to say. (laughs) I'm actually in on uh, J.K. Dobbins this season. First off. Dealing with a soft tissue makes me feel a lot better than what he was dealing with coming into last season. So that's a win right there. Yeah if you look at what he's done going back to 2020, Dobbins averaged six yards per carry, six point seven yards per reception, finished with 925 total yards and nine touches on or nine touchdowns there on just 152 touches. Even Ficiency, last yeah. season, when he was healthy, Dobbins averaged 5.7 yards per carry. He finished with 520 yards on 92 attempts. So, the talent is there. The efficiency is there. This offense for the Baltimore Ravens is going to be better. They're going to be able to pass the ball, something they haven't been able to do. We know J.K. Dobbins can make magic happen as a pass catching back. So, everything tells me that teams are going to have to respect the pass, which means they can't load up the box, which means you're going to have opportunities to get to that second and third level for Dobbins in the run game. It also tells me if they're going to pass more, he's going to be a more of a focal point in that passing offense. So, I get why he's... Uh, holding in is what I'll call it. He's not really mm-hmm. holding out. He's at yeah. cap. So he's doing the whole Lamar Jackson holding in type thing. And I get where the Ravens are coming from though. He's also proven he's uh, like I said, he's proven that he's efficient as a runner. He's proven that he's uh, explosive when he can play. He's also proven that he can't stay healthy. So I see why there's hesitation on the Ravens point here. Your best ability is often your availability, but I'm all about players getting paid here. And if that's what he's looking for is getting that payday. Look, Saquon Barkley, he's trying to do right by running backs right now, right? He's trying to get that secure that big. He's getting 10 million. Josh Jacobs is getting 10 million. There's a reason why NFL teams are uh, basically throwing the old franchise tag at these high end backs because the shelf life of a running back is unfortunately too short. I mean, as a football player, I think the National Football League, League average for a player is three years or something like that. Running back, it's a lot less. There's so much extra contact, this and that. So there's a reason why these running backs want to get paid. There's a reason why these running backs deserve to get paid. Yeah. That that being said, they're not being valued the same way because we've seen this time and time again. Certainly, systems can make the running back look at Kyle Shanahan back to his Denver Broncos day. He made Orlando scary actually, a, a fantasy <laughs> running back at one point, right? We've seen how running backs have fit a system and had success doing so. So. When we look at the running back position, we know that coaches can scheme things up to make their running backs effective. But we also know that a player like J.K. Dobbins is talented, so it's kind of that at a crossroads there. I mean, like I said, one Dobbins is ready to play. I think he's going to be a st- absolute stud. I think he's going to be a top. Ready for this? Top twelve Woo-hoo! running back this okay, season. Okay. Okay.
0: And, you know, what you're saying isn't crazy because he was an RB2 or better in three of the last four weeks once he got healthy last season, and he came up big in the wild card round for him as well, almost put them to upset over the Bengals. The weird stat I found on on, on Dobbins I wanted to share, he has only seen five targets in a game twice in his career. Do you know when those games were, Matt? You want to take a guess? I have no idea when they were, but probably in the playoffs. Yeah, they were in the playoffs, the NFL playoffs. It's incredible that when they get in the playoffs when they need him they'll use him so maybe they, they can unlock that skill set that he's had there in the postseason uh, I'm excited to see it either way RB20 it's a risk it no biscuit situation as Matt called it let's move on down here last headline of the day we got Trent Sherfield generating buzz in spring practices up in Buffalo it's been a mess up there in Buffalo between the dig situation uh, now there's some news coming out recently about the defensive coordinator stepping away Leslie Frazier uh, maybe because of sean mcdermott and kind of what he's getting into with the play calling uh shurfield though has quote stepped up and been a favorite of josh allen per the athletics joe basuga uh is it time to ditch khalil shakir because that was my one takeaway from this is that i don't know how relevant Sherfield will be for fantasy maybe a, a bye week fill-in at best uh but i think if you have shakir on those dynasty rosters maybe it's time to give
2: up matt um this is one of those narratives that doesn't fit what I like to believe. Right. I'll tell you what, well, remember, remember, I think it was Tommy boy where he basically says, you know what? You can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking your head up a bull's ass. That's kind of <laughs> yes. what it is. I mean, we're listening to the coach talk. We can get a pretty good idea, but I'd rather take somebody's word for it. And I'm not taking McVay's, uh, sorry, uh, anyone from the Buffalo bills here, even Josh Allen saying that Sherfield is going to be that guy. I mean, taking that further you basically put if you put lipstick on a pig it's still going to be a pig no matter yeah. how you want to look at it Trent Sherfield <laughs> is who he happens to be that being said in Buffalo right or wrong there's opportunity we got Stefan Diggs there that that They'll kiss and make up, and everyone will be happy when it's all said and done. He'll get even more targets. I mean, the guy's been the focal point of this offense. I don't know what he's complaining about. He wants to be more involved. He's right up there the amongst the elites when it comes to targets and receptions each and every year. But Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis, finally, 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 if you look at his ATB, ATP, ADP, he's finally <laughs> being drafted where he's supposed to be drafted. Yeah. I don't know who got on to Gabe Davis last year and shot that all up because he had one good playoff game against the Kansas City Chiefs where he actually popped off. Gabe Davis is right where he needs to be, which is like wide receiver four, wide receiver five type territory. That's who Gabe Davis is. Khalil Shakir, we don't know what he is. He hasn't done nothing yet. Deontay Hardy's probably the one guy you need to watch out. About okay. this whole offense, I don't care what you're saying about Trent Sherfield. I don't really care about what you have to say about Khalil Shakir. I think it's going to be Hardy out of the slot that's going to be the most effective guy. Okay. You're going okay. to have Kincaid playing out of there. You heard Von Miller talk about Kincaid's a different dude altogether, especially as a pass catcher. So I think you're going to see 12 personnel again in Buffalo. You're going to see a lot of that where it's going to be um, Kincaid and Dawson Knox. I think on the outside you're probably going to have Gabe Davis starting there with um, Stefan Diggs. And when they go through three wide receiver sets, I think it's going to be Deontay Harding who's going to get that first crack there above Shurfield, above Shakir. So that's kind of where I'm kind of envisioning this whole thing. And let's not forget about their running back position there in Buffalo. They've got James Cook, who is a pass catching back. They've got the hammer there in Damian Harris. I don't know if there's going to be enough opportunities for touches for a guy like Shurfield to make a difference. He might have a big yeah, week for best agreed. ball. From time to time, but I don't think if you're looking for a redraft or season long, I don't think there's going to be value there in him.
0: Yeah. And I think I'm actually, last year I had no Gabe Davis shares because of the price tag. And this year at wide receiver 42. I think I can get down with that man like that's in the range Uh, there's still a couple wide receivers down lower uh, Alan Lazard uh, Quentin Johnson that I like a little bit better but yeah I I think he's right in that range man so I I agree I I, I think this is a little bit of bullshit we can see through it Um, and let's continue to maybe find some of the value in Buffalo which is going to be those running backs those tight ends and possibly Gabe Davis as well so I like that from you Matt I appreciate your analysis let's go ahead Uh, let's throw things back in the Day and talk a little bit uh, about some bus here in 2023.
1: They make them like this way back in the day. Took a shot, couldn't miss way back in the day. Couldn't predict
2: how it could all change. Don't you ever forget how far we we came? How far we came Remember how it
1: was way back in the day
0: All right, we are back in the day. We're going to compare three players using the Fantasy Pro's best ball ADP and talk about why they're possibly overvalued and could potentially be busts here in 2023. We're also going to throw out some old school comparisons of players from the past as well that maybe can help shape this analysis because it's not that we don't like this player's talent. Every player drafted in the top 100 of fantasy football drafts has some type of talent. However, there are certain situations, coaches changing, uh, quarterback changes, that can help dictate this and help give us a little bit of analysis here. So, Matt, I'm going to throw it over to you first, man. Who is someone that you're considering a bust or an overvalued player here as the season approaches?
2: Well, I'm glad I got the show sheet in advance because i seen the back of the day and I had to go out with the old uh, Eternia there, Masters there of go. the Universe, Skeletor t-shirt. Father's Day has been good. I've got out myself. a uh, Cobra Commander shirt, a Thundercat shirt. So I'm ready to go for back in the day here. My back in the day tends to be a little bit further back in the day than maybe some other people's back in the day. But I wanted to try and find something that kind of compared here. And I'm gonna. This one hurts because I am a Raiders fan. That's basically who I am. But you know, as a Raiders fan, Raiders fan gives you a different perspective on everything. You're used to being disappointed. You can handle disappointment. Yeah, yeah. We we've handled disappointment for years. So it's it's not like we've already gone through all seven stages of grief. We've come, come to grips with everything, no matter what the situation is. Something could happen today that'd be absolutely negative. We're like, yeah, we should have saw that coming. Right? That's basically <laughs> where we've kind of come to at our, our time. But for me right now, Devontae Adams, a wide receiver six. Thank you. He's He's got that bust potential for me. I'm not going to say he's going to be a bust. I'm not saying he's an absolute bust, but the potential and the risk for him being a bust is much higher than other players. And it reminds me, I'll tell you about this whole I'll I'll, I'll break it down here. Talent with DeVonte Adams is not a question. No one's questioning the talent DeVonte Adams not. has. Quarterback play, however, we can question all we want. Now, we have no idea what's going to happen at that quarterback position. And with Devontae Adams, he's basically going as what? The fourth, fifth receiver off the board. Maybe the sixth receiver off the board. Finished third last season there in those fantasy circles. He also turns 31 in December. And he's coming off a 32.3% target share. Still good. But that wasn't with Jimmy Garoppolo. That was with Derek Carr. The guy that kind of brought him in. A good old friend from back in college. All the numbers right now say that Adams isn't slowing down. The numbers say, hey, Adams is actually probably getting better by the numbers. But listen, last season, Waller and Hunter Renfro both missed time. And this season, the Raiders added Austin Hooper, say what you will about him, Jacoby Myers, Michael Mayer. You look at this, there's more targets now in Vegas than there was a season ago based on injury. And that's with Derek Carr throwing the ball, a Pro Bowl quarterback throwing the ball. A guy who was the all-time leading passer in Raiders history throwing him the ball. And now he's going to catch passes from Jimmy Garoppolo, who cannot push the ball down the field. Or he's going to catch passes from Aiden O'Connell, who's fresh out of Purdue, doesn't know what's going on. Maybe he's catching passes from Brian Hoyer. I don't even know if Brian Hoyer can throw the ball past the line of scrimmage anymore. (laughs) What's next? They're going to go out there and sign Carson Wentz? Is that the next best case scenario for the Raiders? I don't know. I don't know, but you see, I've already gone through all seven stages just in this last little bit. I'm already expecting the worst-case scenario of Carson Wentz becoming a Raider at some point this season, right? But this all reminds me of another great wide receiver back in the day, Steve Smith Sr., 2014 to 2016. Steve Smith Sr. there, he could still get the job done. Now, he didn't have the talent around him in his – Baltimore Raven days as what Adams has in Vegas. But if you look at those numbers in 2014, 2015, they were good. 2016, he hit that cliff. He dropped down. And that was with Joe Flacco throwing the ball. And simply put, Joe Flacco was no longer elite at that time, if you want to go into that narrative.
0: Yeah. Hey, I I love the comparison, man. And sometimes we just get so wrapped up in the name value. And I think that's what Devontae Adams is doing for fantasy managers right now. They remember those big games. They're saying, oh, he could do it with with a quarterback that wasn't Derek Carr last season. However, we don't know who's going to be quarterback here. Jimmy Garoppolo could be released before the season if the foot injury does not come around. There are a lot of question marks here in Las Vegas. I'm right there with you. I cannot spend a first round, early second round pick on a Las Vegas Raider this season. I'm out on Adams. I think a lot of us here at the IBT family are as well. So great call there, Mike. I'm going to go with uh, a player I haven't talked about much this offseason because there hasn't been much news about him because he's been off the field. And that's Mike Williams, who apparently was cleared uh, since a couple days or a couple weeks after the season, he's saying. But he wasn't at offseason OTAs. He's just now at mandatory minicamp. And not only do we have the injury concerns with Mike Williams, obviously we know what happened to begin his career. He dealt with some very, very serious stuff. But even since 2019, he still missed 1.75 games per season since that year. And it's been all the shit that you don't want to have go bad as a human being. The back, the neck, the knees, the ankles, like – I'm 25, and when I hurt my back, I threw my back out a little bit on on Sunday, playing disc golf with you, Kyle, and it fucking hurt. And I was, like, down bad for a minute because of it. And and, and now we have to come back off this. And what I think this is reminding me of more than anything is 2020 Michael Gallup. He was wide receiver 22 in 2019 before the Cowboys drafted CeeDee Lamb. Then CeeDee Lamb comes in, and Kellen Moore distributes the ball very evenly. It was about 120 to 100 targets for all of them. CeeDee Lamb, he took that jump. He was a wide receiver, two as a rookie. Gallup fell off a little bit. Gallup was more of a wide receiver, three, four. And I think that's now what we're going to see with Mike Williams in Los Angeles. Now that Quentin Johnson's in town, I don't think he's going to get seven targets per game. And you have to pay a fifth-round pick for mike williams and you don't even know if he's going to stay on the field right now Uh, i was looking at fantasy sharks over the weekend and they have him projected 95 percent chance to already be injured almost three games that they are projecting him to miss with their injury calculator there so why not wait and four more rounds for Quentin Johnson, who's probably going to get on the field as a rookie here and could potentially see some slot snaps is a good yards after catch guy. And I am not worried about the injuries like I am with Mike Williams here, Matt.
2: It's so funny that you mentioned that because I just did my team spotlight series. I went through the AFC West there that dropped last week. I'm dropping the A of the NFC South right now, but this is what I wrote about Mike Williams. Mike Williams drives me crazy. He's not a bust in a traditional sense, but there will be weeks in which he absolutely disappears, disappears. He'll give you 30 fancy points one week, and then he will give you a zero. I mean, that is what Mike Williams is. Now, right now, uh, Keenan Allen's ADP is what, around 41 and a half. Williams is a few spots behind him at 44.6. That's in redraft, not best ball. Sorry, I don't have the best ball numbers in front of me. There will be, like I said, there's going to be weeks in which Williams outproduces Keenan Allen, but there'll be many weeks in which he fails to reach double digits. And as a wide receiver that I'm drafting in the first, uh, as a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, I need to get 10 fantasy points per week out of that guy. There's there's no thing. I can't get zeros. I can't take a two. I can't take a three. And I can't take a risk of you getting hurt. And that's exactly what Mike will. I'm coming off a of hip surgery right now. And <laughs> oh, I just no. had a hip replacement. There's a cane in the background right here. And I'm, I think I'm still in better shape than Mike Williams. I mean, that's just kind of where I'm at. You talk about the back. You talk about the neck. These are things you can't easily recover from. Now, I know some people may say that Quinton Johnson was selected in the draft to eventually replace these guys. But I think there's part of the, the Chargers yeah. organization. It's not just about replacing. No. It's like – we don't know what we got in Mike Williams this season. So we need to make sure that we have a second wide receiver because Joshua Palmer, he's not that guy. He has spurts. He does good from time to time. Maybe he's a good number two. Maybe Jalen Guyton's that guy that can work out the slot and whatnot, but they needed to make sure they had another alpha on the outside where Quinton Johnson can do while Keenan Allen works the inside.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited to see what Johnston can do here in his rookie season. Uh, he was a guy I wasn't super high on watching the film. I don't think he's a, 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 as as polished as guys like JSN and even Zay Flowers in this class. But the landing spot is great. And I think this is going to be a very even distribution in the targets across all three of them. Uh, obviously, Keenan Allen probably taking the majority of those. But then Austin Eckler is still in the mix here as well. He's going to garner at least 90 targets this season. So I just don't think there's enough to go around you are drafting mike williams in my opinion probably towards the ceiling now that quinton
2: johnson is in the mix well there's the one thing that mike williams does very well probably better than any other receiver in the game that quinton johnson's just not there and that's those contested catches especially in the red zone mike williams is probably the best contested catch wide receiver in the game some of those catches he makes you like really absolutely the problem with quinton johnson quinton johnson's a big dude he's uber athletic but he doesn't play to his size. He's yes. not a physical wide receiver that like you'd expect out of someone like that. Mike Williams is that guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at wide receiver, 26-0, 55 overall. I will pass on Williams this season. Back to you, Matt. Who's another best candidate for you in
2: twenty twenty three? yeah I'm kicking getting old school here. My my uh, my thought process is a little bit different. But Geno Smith, I get it. He's going at QB 16, so it doesn't feel this like is surprising. Or... This is surprising. This is I know. Surprising I was kind of surprised one. about this, too. Because I was, again, going through my bust scenarios of yeah. all guys who could possibly bust. And the hype, tra- I mean, I feel like maybe Geno Smith should be a little bit higher based on what he did last season. But at the same point, I don't know if Geno Smith is going to be a reliable number two quarterback. Because when we talk about certain other players maybe a little bit later in this segment, his name will probably get brought up by me one more time. But Geno Smith has that 2004 Tommy Maddox type feel. Remember, oh. Maddox took home the NFL comeback player of the year, throwing for 2,836 yards, 20 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. The guy had just spent his time playing in Europe and whatnot, winning the Galaxy Bowl or whatever that was called. And then he led the Steelers to 10 wins, 5 losses, and a tie. They went up to the playoffs, and they ended up losing there. The following season, though, he had a poor season. The Steelers had a 6-10 and record. And then the year after that, the, C- the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted Ben Roethlisberger, right? Yes, and sir. you know this. Yes, sir. You're following the story. You know as well. But prior to 2002, Maddox had done nothing. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nada. 2002, that season we're talking about there, 200, or a good season, he was 234 of two, 377 for the 28-36 yards. That's 20-17 to 17 touchdowns. Now you look at the 2003 season – 209 or 298 completions on 519 attempts. He had more yards, yeah. 34 18, but his touchdown to interception ratio was 18 to 17. Smith, I'm expecting Smith to put up similar type numbers there, but I'm saying there's going to be some regression there as well that we have to watch out for. Like Tommy Maddox, we had a sample of what Maddox was prior to that season. Geno Smith, we have a sample of what he was prior to that one season. And the part that people are forgetting, the man who made Geno Smith, got him on that right program, is no longer there. Dave Canales is now the offensive coordinator down in uh, Tampa Bay. We cannot underestimate or under talk about or speak about what a good quarterback coach does for their quarterback. And now he's gone. So can Geno Smith return? Sure, he could return. He could outproduce that QB 16 right now. He could be a QB 2 with potential. But I'm saying at some point, you are what you are. And this season right now, last year, it reminds me of that Tommy Maddox outlier season.
0: Hey, that is a great comp. That is a great comp. That is literally almost the first season I can ever remember watching football as a kid. So I love the comp there. We got Scott here in the uh, normal coast on the show in the chat saying, I don't know. Seahawks have the best offense and the best offensive line they have in years. They hit on two rookies last season. Uh, Creed Creed being the better one of the two. Um, but they do have a great offensive line. Does Jackson Smith Najigba move the needle for you at all? Because that's, that's where I struggle here, Matt, is I think JSN is going to be just another weapon for him uh, where he didn't have that last season. He had no number – three wide receiver outside of Marquise Goodwin. He gets a little bit of upgrade there, I think, with JSN. Uh, potentially an elite receiver here in a couple of years.
2: Well, I feel some people that chat and they have a little bit of bias there
0: towards the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> Yes, he does. Absolutely. But, you know what?
2: That doesn't really hurt my feelings all that much. It's We're talking about Pete Carroll here. He doesn't care what he uses draft capital on. This is the same dude that drafted Sean Penny in the first round and then used his seventh round selection there in Chris Carson as his lead yeah. back for multiple years. Now, by the way, Chris Carson, fantastic probably one of the most underrated running backs of all time. I just look at this team. We're hearing the coaches. We're hearing everything right now. The last season was more of an anomaly for the Seattle Seahawks. They want to run the ball. That's what they want to do. They, they have the, ability to pass it we've seen them pass last season they added pass catchers there on this team they also added running backs to this team so we really don't know what to go with here but what i think is i'm listening to the coaches and whatnot they want to run the ball they want to run play action to set up the pass and that is where they're going to be successful and maybe another bust comes out of that backfield a little bit later that we can talk about yeah. but i look at these offensive numbers here these uh, dk metcalf fantastic but he did disappear from time to time last season Tyler Lockett's not going anywhere I don't I don't JSN is the future JSN's the future he's the best route runner in this class from the inside I mean there's no question about that in my opinion but Tyler Lockett let's not try and bury Tyler Lockett yet the guy all the guy does is put up top 12 fantasy I think he had like Eight straight or something top 16 wide receiver seasons. Here we're talking about a guy who's been a solid wide receiver two, if not a wide receiver one. And suddenly, because a rookie is coming in, a very good rookie is coming in. We want to forget about Tyler Lockett. I wouldn't be surprised if JSN cuts into DK Metcalf's numbers more than he cuts into Tyler Lockett's. Tyler Lockett is, I just I don't want to bury him by any stretch of anyone's imagination. Now I think this offense can pass. I think they want to run is where they want to go. I think they want to use the run to set up the pass.
0: Yeah. I love it, man. And let's just stay with the Seattle Seahawks discussion here and uh, hurt, hurt Scott Rainier's feelings a little bit more in the chat tonight. I'm calling Kenneth Walker uh, currently RB 11 in fantasy pros ADP. And they're pulling these from different best ball sites, RTS sports uh, underdog, a couple different ones as well. Uh, he's going RB11, 28th overall, and that can vary. I, I have seen him go as late the fourth round in some formats. Um, however, I'm going to compare him to 2018 Jordan Howard here. And if you remember, Howard had two great first seasons. Came out of nowhere as a rookie, came back the next season, proved who he was, RB1-type numbers. And then in 2018, Tariq Cohen finally got established as a great pass-catching running back, 91 targets, 99 carries for him. And that kind of limited Jordan Howard's upside. He was an RB2 that season. He was drafted as a low-end RB1, uh, saved by the nine touchdowns. And I think that's kind of where we're heading with Ken Walker here, Matt. Uh, Zach Charbonnet coming to town. You alluded to it there. Charbonnet's averaged over 230 carries his last two years at UCLA. Last season, Penny, Dallas, Homer, Tony Jones, all those shitter running backs on this team combined for 119 carries and 48 targets. I think that that's not enough for Charbonnet. I really think Charbonnet is going to get closer to 150 carries. And what concerns me the most about Kenneth Walker is there is going to be TD regression here. Last season, seven of his nine touchdowns came from within the red zone on 43 carries. He saw 81% of the Seattle Seahawks rushing attempts in 2022. That was the third most behind two running backs, Derrick Henry. And Josh Jacobs, they had no competition last year. They really don't have any competition this year. Well, guess what? Ken Walker, he has competition. That ain't fucking happening. Ken Walker, man, I am afraid that it is going to fall out. I think he's going to kind of be like a DeAndre Swift of this season and just not get those same 15 touches per game. So I'm worried there. And I know you hate Geno Smith, but I think one cool statistic from him, in the red zone last season, Matt, 18 touchdowns zero ints i just don't think walker sees that same red zone volume that that put him over the top last season um so i gotta fade him here in the third round it's too much for
2: me hey you're not gonna hear any complaints from me here because i'm fading kenneth walker as well i mean coming out of the draft he was one of my biggest question marks when i, I looked at how this whole team kind of basically how the draft set up there right we talked about all these extra targets here and how would want to go. The reason why Pete Carroll and company weren't able to run the ball is because they ran out of running backs. You alluded to this. DJ Jellis, Travis Homer, uh, Jones was factored in there. I mean, Tony Jones, maybe. yeah. You can't run the ball with these guys. You can't. The team was built for Kenneth Walker to run the ball and get a little bit of help around, along the way. Now, Walker, he was sitting pretty good there ahead of the season. Then the Seahawks, they got cute. right? They got cute. They drafted Zach Charbonnet. You mentioned all those touches, everything to go with. Zach Charbonnet is an interesting prospect because of what he can do that Kenneth Walker can't do, and that's catch the ball out of the backfield. Kenneth Walker was never asked to do it at Michigan State. He was never asked to do it at Wake Forest. He wasn't asked to do it with the Seattle Seahawks, but Zach Charbonnet, he was able to. If you look at some of these other numbers, yards after contact per play, they're actually very similar type numbers between Walker and Charbonnet. They both are downhill type runners between the tackles, which helps Seattle, guess what? Set up the play action, because they're going to be able to go there. So you're going to see, I don't want to call it a split backfield. I think it's going to be like a 60-40 Agreed. when it comes to this running back. Agreed. I think Seattle's going to want to rub the ball a lot. But I don't think Kenneth Walker is going to be anywhere near the touches or opportunities that he saw last season. And it's not a bad thing. This is one of those things that's bad for Kenneth Walker and fantasy managers, but it's actually good for the Seattle Seahawks.
0: agreed, man. I mean, we saw it done so well for years in Cleveland with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, but it always hurt Nick Chubb's ceiling. And I think you're drafting Kenneth Walker at a ceiling here at RB11. I think that's the best he can finish is a low-end RB1. And I'm not willing to take that chance because I think there's running backs going another round or two later, Uh, Travis Etienne, Jameer Gibbs, Ramondre Stevenson, that I would rather have. So... I'm going to do that. I'm going to continue to fade Kenneth Walker, but but I have a lot of Charbonnet, and I'm getting Charbonnet in a lot of drafts here, Matt. He's falling to the 8th, ninth, 10th round in some places, and I'd rather take the chance on him later in rounds than pay the price for uh, Kenneth Walker here. So back to you, Matt. We've talked a lot about the Seattle Seahawks. Do you have another Seattle Seahawk for your final bus candidate, or are we going to a different team?
2: We're, we're, we're going to lay off the Seahawks right now just for Scott. I mean, I could probably <laughs> go on and just kind of – purposely take shots at these guys left right center but the guy i want to take a shot at right now he's almost it feels like a trap it really does it feels like his adp is trying to trap you right now because it is so low but there's still so much uncertainty for so for me joe mixon he's going about the rb 22 right now which is inside rb2 range and that might feel like good value you're getting him the fifth round sixth round sometimes in redraft He has dropped down because of everything happening off the field. But Joe Mixon in this Bengals offense has the biggest potential to bust. Now, I'm not sure he's going to see the same kind of passing volume that he did in 2022. Mixon finished the season strong registering double-digit fantasy production in three of the final four games. He was the RB12 when it came to PPR scoring. That said, those numbers are heavily padded by a five-touchdown performance against the Carolina yes Panthers sir. back in week number nine. So, Glorious. I mean, five-touchdowns is going to help you out. That's, what, 30 points right there, give or take, in one week. Now, Mixon was only averaging. Here's the thing that everyone forgets. Because he finished the season so strong, because he was involved in the offense as far as pass catching is concerned, I don't think – got to remember, Jamar Chase missed time last season for the Bengals. T. Higgins missed a little bit of time for the Bengals. So there was more opportunities to catch passes that went to Joe Mixon. He was only averaging 3.3 yards per carry. Now, Murray in 2016 – oh, sorry. I'm going to compare him to 2017's version of DeMarco Murray because back in 2016, Murray, he ran for 1,200 yards. He had nine touchdowns. He averaged 4.4 yards per carry. And then in 2017, that would be his last season after running for 659 yards, which worked out to 3.6 yards per carry on 184 attempts. He wasn't getting the passing volume that season, which he had in that 2016 season, the 2017 season. So I'm seeing Joe make, I'm not saying that the clip is going to happen. I'm telling everyone right now, mm-hmm. be aware that it could happen here sooner rather than later. DeMarco Murray was a fantastic running back for the Dallas Cowboys, for the Tennessee Titans here where he ended up ended his career, he was still producing until that final season. Now, I'm not saying this is going to be Joe Mixon's final season, but I'm looking at that 3.3 yards per carry number, which was actually below Samaj P. Ryan. I'm shocked that the Bengals didn't find a way to keep Samaj P. Yeah. Ryan lined yeah. up. I really am. And yes, when you're getting him in the fifth or sixth round as a potential bell cow, it's going to be appealing. But 3.3 yards... You get 20 carries. That's only going to give you about 60 yards rushing. I need more yards per carry. And this Bengals offense should be able to give that to you. So I just don't know if Joe Mixon is going to be able to give it to you right now. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying there's the potential for him to be the biggest bust on this offense.
0: Yeah. The offensive line, it does improve, which should maybe help that efficiency number. But again... uh, and I don't want to be that one guy. All all offseason, I've been screaming one name from the rooftops. And I don't want to scream it super loud. So I'm going to back up a little bit. Chase Brown. Chase Brown. Like I'm interested. I'm interested in taking the flyer, guys. I still am. I think Chase Brown's uh, an interesting cat here. So at, at the price of RB22, I think there will be some leagues that I am tempted into mixing. But we heard just this week, Matt, that bottom line – uh, for the Bengals, is is Joe Mixon willing to renegotiate that number for a salary? So he might not even be a Bengal. So a lot of question marks here. Um, I appreciate you pointing those out and the efficiency numbers uh, of Joe Mixon because that has been a prime issue for seasons now that nobody really wants to
2: talk about. And hey, you said, Chase Brown's sneaky because he's a Canadian. He's a Canadian boy here. He's from Ontario, Canada. He's from out yes, east. Hey, we're claiming him right now. We claim Chase Brown. <laughs> Let's so- go. What can Brown do for you? Hopefully we don't get copyrighted for that. I mean, that that could happen, right? It might. It might happen, honestly. But
0: that's all right. That's all right. It's all good here, man. Uh, Matt, let's go ahead. Let's round out the discussion here on Bust with my final one. And it's Chris Olave, wide receiver, 14, 30 overall. And don't get me wrong. I love Chris Olave. I pounded the table for him. He was my rookie wide receiver, too, coming into last season. Despite what everyone else was saying about all these other rookies, I was on Olave. I loved him right behind Garrett Wilson. And I'm comparing him to 2022 DJ Moore because this isn't about Chris Olave's talent. We, We know his talent. The guy is phenomenal. It's about the situation. Pete Carmichael, he's running a prehistoric offense. Dennis Allen, is that guy a head coach? Because I don't fucking think he is. I think he's the guy who happened to be best friends with a head coach who was leaving head coaching for a year and happened to get that that gig. Olave scored four touchdowns last year, despite being a top 15 receivers in target share, third in air yards, and fourth in deep targets. Like The opportunity was there for Chris Olave, And he was a wide receiver, too, on the season. But I think that's his ceiling right now because I don't see that getting any better with Derek Carr, who has a career touchdown rate of 4.4. The guy does not throw touchdowns. It was a little better last season. But still, like, this is the same issue with DJ Moore last season, Matt. Baker Mayfield came in. So everyone's like, oh, the touchdown issue is going to get fixed. DJ Moore is going to be a wide receiver, one. And it wasn't until Baker Mayfield left that that DJ Moore finally started going with Sam Darnold. So I'm just worried that we're drafting Chris Olave at a ceiling here. I don't even know if he can be wide receiver 14. I think it's more like 16 or 17 with Derek Carr here and Pete Carmichael calling the fucking plays. Like, sorry, I'm out on Olave. How do you feel about it? Because I love the talent of this guy. I love it. This is about the ADP. I can't pay that price.
2: I'm okay with the price. I actually like a lot of it here because Woo-hoo! I remember a time when Derek Carr supported two 1,000 yard receivers there in Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper. So I know in a decent offense what Derek Carr can do. Yeah. And as someone who's watched a lot of Derek Carr, I have yeah, been you have, in his you corner have. from day one. I mean, he's never been able to get that big one, but it's not just him. He can't play defense. It's. You, I think he took here's the problem with the quarterback position when things are going good you probably get too much credit when things are going bad you get too much blame it's really that yeah. simple and Derek Carr was in there now he's coming to a New Orleans Saints team that's defense is pretty darn good I mean there's lots of pieces there on the defense there when it comes to Aminata and Caden Ellis and whatnot but they had, I think, the second best pass defense in the league a season ago. So you know that this team can defend if they have to. They play in a weak, weak ass division. I mean, literally, no one was 500 that made the playoffs out of this division. Derek Carr is already the top quarterback in the division, at least for this season. Bryce Young, you can make an argument here maybe two, three seasons down the road, but he's playing with the best quarterback in the division. He's playing with a team that should be the best team in this division.
1: Yeah. And
2: for me, Alave is just. There's so many players I would take him over him right now. I mean, I I have him and Garrett Wilson side by side. I really have I think Garrett Wilson's getting a lot of heat right now. Uh wide receiver seven, I've seen him up there. I've seen my wide receiver six. Yeah. The Aaron Rod- Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. He's not the Aaron Rodgers from three, four seasons ago. We saw what Aaron Rodgers was last season. It wasn't what you want him to I'm be. Getting fri- I'm getting frisky on him.
0: I love, I love G Wilson. I can't help myself. But
2: I'm not, like I said, I'm not knocking Garrett Wilson because I think he's a fantastic player. But we're talking about a guy. If if Garrett Wilson runs ten post corners, he's going to catch ten passes for two touchdowns every game. You cannot guard Chris Olave seventy five percent success rate versus man coverage. How how do you defend that? You can't. You cannot defend Chris Olave and Derek Carr is no Jameis Winston. Derek Carr is no Andy Dalton. Derek Carr is not a fake tight end slash running back trying (laughs) to play quarterback named Taysom Hill. So for me, I actually think that this is the best quarterback Chris Olave's ever played with. And Derek Carr, we know he knows how to get the ball to his playmaker's hands. Crabtree. Cooper, Devontae Adams, we've seen that Derek Carr can do this. Now, we haven't seen him have success with multiple wide receivers very often, but he's always been able to support one, wherever he's been, whether that's Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, both those guys had 90 targets just a few seasons ago with Derek Carr. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing a 90-reception season from Chris Olave, and I think he's going to actually outperform this ADP. I don't have him quite – as high as where yeah. i'm projecting him right now right on this conversation but i might be talking myself into more chris alabe right now if you can get i'm i may be willing to take him in the second round on the back Woo-hoo! end of the second round that is how high i am on chris alabe if you can get him the start of the third that is absolute value wow Con- contrasting opinions but i love the analysis
0: because everything you said is right man if the talent is there we've seen Derek carr support a number one wide receiver. I'm just going against it because I can't get behind the fucking New Orleans Saints with Dennis Allen running the show. Pete Carmichael. There's a lot to hate and love, but but that's that's what you're gonna see this year in your fancy folks drafts. So you're gonna see people like Matt who are willing to take Chris Olave in the third round, early third round. So you're either with Matt pretty much and you're willing to pay that price for Olave because you love the talent, or you're like me and you're like red flag, red flag, red flag. Let's keep moving here. So either way, we'll see. Neither one of us are going to be able to tell how this one plays out until the very end, Matt. So I appreciate all the analysis here. Let's round out the show with a fun game. Let's get Kyle Scott in here for a little bit of Would You Rather.
1: Risky business or that Are you that hard on the rise? We're chilling with a cold one. the one back. Would you rather? This ain't no
0: you rather it ain't no simple matter we're back here playing a fun lifestyle fantasy football game and to do it bringing in kyle scott kyle the theme this week with matt being from up north is canada is it it is it is indeed we have some some fun canada questions here for matt and and myself and i'm excited to get after it so uh in general kyle have you been to canada yet so far in your life my friend
1: uh, I have. I've been to Canada twice, actually. I went to Vancouver as a very young child. And then as a slightly older young child, I went to Niagara Falls. Canada side. you ripping the Canada side, huh? Uh, yeah. All yeah. right.
0: All right. Matt, you've been to Niagara Falls at all?
2: I have not made it to Niagara Falls here. I'm a Western Canadian here altogether. Okay. I've been to Montreal. I'm flying out to Newfoundland here in August, right before the Fantasy Ooh. Football Expo. So I've actually got this crazy trip. So from August 2nd to the 9th, I think I fly from Calgary, Alberta, across the entire country to St. John's, Newfoundland, fly back, hang out for a day. And then I fly all the way back to Toronto and then down to Cleveland, Ohio, before I make it to Canton. I got a one day break in between. So I'm doing a lot of cross country flying there in a short period of time let's
0: go let's go man well i I hope safe travels for you i'm excited to see you in canton this summer uh kyle why don't you start us off here man what do we have on the docket
1: for a little would you rather my friend sure so first up would you rather eat subpar poutine or drink
2: lukewarm beer
1: it's It's the poutine here
2: It's it's a no brainer. You can't have lukewarm beer. I mean, it's just something you can't do. Fun fact: Before this show, I had a pre-podcast poutine from the scoreboard. That's right. That was my meal right before. (laughs) I had the poutine out there. I had the ground beef on it. I had the fried onions. Oh, it was fantastic. Oh, so Matt, I love what you're saying. I but I will
0: say, at least here in the states, I recently just had a very subpar poutine. Like I'm talking a fifteen dollar poutine. That was a little cold, even like just wasn't wasn't to my liking there. There was a little gravy. There was fries. They weren't they weren't fresh cut and some cheese curds, but it wasn't the best. It was super disappointing. And while I'm with you, I hate fucking lukewarm beer. I need cold beer. Kyle, you and I, I pulled out some. They're kind of lukewarm beers. Bush like peaches, though, out of the back of the car while we were disc golfing this last weekend. And they hit pretty good. They hit better than that that shitty poutine i had so kyle settle the tiebreaker here man because i hate lukewarm beer but any beer is better than no beer while poutine i need it par at least
2: uh, did you see like I... peaches beer or something weird like flavored beer Bushlight light peach baby what Get the on... hell is wrong with you hey man not... so it's it's like a warm peach beer oh dude <laughs> that is that ain't right Sub, so It was
0: sub warm. You know, it was it was kind of warm. I, I, what do you think, Kyle? Was it how warm were we uh, talking here? It
1: was a little colder than lukewarm, but it was. Uh, the second one was lukewarm. Um, I'm gonna have to go with subpar poutine. I've had a warm Labatt Blue. That doesn't cut it. Oh you no, yeah. Drink. Some beers you can't drink after 15 seconds. So you. There's a fine line, and poutine is a much wider margin for me.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. We got Scott here in the chat saying, warm beer, gas station, sushi. I hate The sushi. result's the
2: same, man. The result's going to be the <laughs> oh, same. Oh, what? Oh, man. Warm you're gonna... beer, sushi. The end result, when it's all said and done within the next, probably the first 10, 15 minutes, something's coming out. <laughs> oh, I, I love it, man. I love it.
0: Uh, Matt. What is your favorite beer? Being from up in Canada, do you are you a Canadian beer person? Do you like the domestic U.S. stuff, craft beer? Where are you at here?
2: So I, I actually don't drink. Uh, oh, I haven't okay. drank in about twenty years right now. Uh, I do have the I do enjoy a good uh, Budweiser Prohibition from time to time. I've always liked the taste, especially after you cut the grass. A nice cold non-alcoholic beer hits differently right now you still get that taste uh, yeah it's not the buzz I mean it, it's fantastic that way I mean I'm at that age right now if you drink too much beer you just get bloated you feel fat you feel disgusting then you look at yourself in the mirror and you judge yourself I mean it's a vicious cycle where do you stop so for me <laughs> I mean I, I'm all about the Tim Hortons coffee I, I am a, I don't know if you can tell right now quite a little coffee before I even came on the show which also helps with your podcasting because people don't they don't want to fast forward be too far. They don't want to put me in like 1.5 or two speed because you won't hear a word. <laughs> I'm saying it's like, i and chipmunks coming out of my mouth. But for me, I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, I'd rather have a coffee. I'd rather have a Coke, something like that. Uh, for me, I don't drink the beer, but it's, right now it's a good old fashioned cold ice cold there, Budweiser prohibition or whatever I can find that way. Cause I've tried the Molson, uh non-alcohol beer. I remember even trying old duels back in the day. Yeah. Just, the beer was nasty too. So.
0: All right, Scott's preaching that. He likes that. I appreciate that, Matt. Uh, Kyle, what else we have on the talking here for Would You Rather?
1: Yeah, our next question is going to be a fantasy-related question. Uh, Would you rather roster Keyshawn Butte, Jalen Tolbert, or Valus Jones in Dynasty?
0: And, Matt, we just talked about this, man. I mean, Keyshawn Butte getting outperformed in camps. Uh, Where do you stand on this one? Because it's a bunch of shitters, in my opinion.
2: Well, Vilas Jones is the only one on this list the same age as I am, like 40-some years old. So (laughs) I'm going to take him out of the dynasty equation. Keyshawn Butte is not even be on the team. He might have one of the best fantasy names, Butte. I mean, you can work with that with your fantasy roster. So, I mean, if you you may want to roster him just so you can have the word booty in your uh, fantasy name. But for me, it's Jalen Tolbert there. I'm a big fan of the South Alabama wide receiver. I liked him coming out of college. I think he could still be something right now at some point. But, I mean, it's tough. Michael Gallup, CD Lab, yeah. Brandon Cooks is now yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, opportunity is shrinking for him, but he's still got the best opportunity of the three receivers on this board.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. Scott in the chat saying Tolbert as well. Um, we, we've seen a little bit of Tolbert hype this season. We talked about it earlier in the season as well. But, yeah, I, I'm going to go with, with, with Jalen Tolbert, but he's hanging on by thread. If he does nothing this season, he's out of here as well. Uh, Kyle, let's round it out here. I think we have one more final question on the night.
1: Yep, we got one last question. Would you rather travel the world in a non motorized transportation or across the US on foot? So, providing a little bit of background information here
0: Canadian firefighter Marcus Pukanon, Pukanon, I, I can't pronounce that name, but he has spent seven years traveling the world with just his muscles. Uh, he's gone from canoeing, kayaking, uh cycling tricycling skiing rowing sailing you name it paddle boarding this guy's done it matt that sounds like an exhausting trip though would you rather go around the world you can use you know other shit or you just taking it across the u.s on your feet
2: okay i don't know if you know this but i ain't walking anywhere anytime soon i got a cane (laughs) i'm i'm bound to a cane i have i had one hip replaced already i'm getting the other hip replaced in october i ain't walking nowhere it ain't happening that being said, I mean, I better get like a sail skateboard, like put a little sail on a skateboard <laughs> or something, and just push me down. And hope for the best. I mean, I guess if you're traveling the world, maybe you get a better option of a few things. Because you're getting the Canada, you're getting the states, yeah. you're getting Mexico. I mean, you're kind of getting a little bit of everything. Going across the states, yeah. Oh. I don't know. By foot? I mean, oh, dude, I, I don't know. Am I traveling the northern states? Am I traveling the southern states? Am I coming on an angle? What, how are we working with this across the states? Because that makes a difference, too, because I ain't going to survive going through Florida, Texas, Oklahoma. No, no. Because I ain't built that way. I, I can handle dry heat. I can handle the dry heat. It's when you throw that humidity at me, it ain't going to work. I'm too fat to handle humidity. That ain't my thing. Yeah, I think most people who do this trip, they specifically
0: go from, like, Los Angeles to New York because – uh or even you know northern california new york because they're not trying to get into that southern states as well kyle where do you land on this man because i think i'm with matt like obviously like sailing across the fucking ocean would be a bit terrifying we'd have to obviously train quite a bit for this to be equipped to it um but damn walking across the u.s would suck like
1: i i think like at least you're getting some culture overseas right Uh yeah, I mean I I'm also I'm siding with you guys. Um, I'm not walking. I'm just I'm just lazy. That's (laughs) the only reason. Um, but my first thought was around the world in 80 days. Give me a hot air balloon. There's no motor in that. That is true. That is. uh, I
0: mean, you're
2: absolutely. Yeah, I mean,
0: I I I think you're right on that, Matt. You ever been up in a hot air balloon before?
2: actually yeah i have i have been on there we've actually done it a few times it, it is fantastic i don't think i'd be doing it over the ocean it's the <laughs> shit out of me. let's be honest yeah uh, dude for sure i feel much better about my choice about traveling the world here because it doesn't say that i can't just sit in a shopping cart and have someone push me right i don't have to do the physical labor maybe i could do like the whole uh someone pushes me across canada pushes each state or each province yes. pushes me our ancestors they came over on boats those were not really mo- uh, motorized it was coal yeah. and steam driven and this and that i mean there's options out here that don't involve me having to do anything and if i don't have to do anything that's a win right there Kayshawn
0: boote might push you man he might need a job here in a couple months matt so you never know you might be getting a you know a push from a former lsu tagger as well so i love it uh kyle any, any final thoughts here on just this incredible story man like for someone to dedicate their life to that, a former Canadian firefighter out of all people here, Marcus.
1: Yeah. Maybe, uh, watch Forrest Gump a little too many times, but otherwise, <laughs> you know, I like the, I like the intention, you know?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, this has been a fantastic episode. I can't thank you enough for joining us tonight, Matt. Tell us one more time, man, how the IBT family can best support you and the Vipers network as we approach another fun, fantasy football season, my friend
2: it's pretty simple. We don't ask a whole lot. Head over to the Vipers network there on the YouTube channel, type in dynasty Vipers, whatever you got to do there, hit that like, hit that subscribe. We're closing in on 800. We want to hit a thousand. That's kind of the goal for all of us out there right now, especially in this smaller market. And you can catch any podcast there over on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, download it, rate and review it. Preferably hit the five stars. Um, and try to just help us kind of promote ourselves a little bit more, get us out there a little bit more often. And you're going to want to tune in because we're producing content over there. Like it's coming out of style. I think we've dropped like 120 videos since January 4th. I mean, I've got already covered the whole AFC. I've tapped into the NFC here, starting with the NFC South this week. Next week, we have another, a former NFC West running back oh, coming ooh. on behind the grind. One of my favorite series out there right now, where we sit down with former players, uh fantasy analysts the biggest of the biggest names out there to kind of kind of talk about their career journeys their paths what they did to the grind behind everything that they did so next week former super bowl champion running back robert turbin is going to come behind the grind with us
0: fuck yeah man i love robert uh turbin i appreciate that man uh matt Everything you do in this industry, man, you are someone who you keep the legs moving at all times. You never stop. And I appreciate that, man, as someone at IBT, it takes a whole force. I know you do it a little shorthanded over there. So we appreciate everything that you bring to this industry. Make sure you guys are checking out Dynasty Vipers Network here on YouTube while you're here checking us out at IBT Media. For Kyle and I, you can find us here at ibt media youtube we also have the website inbetweenmedia.com a lot of cool content coming out whether it's uh whether it's articles whether it's blogs whether it's columns we got you covered over there as well we will be back next tuesday we have a fun episode playing with eric and scott until then guys keep it in between